Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have John Wright. John is a serial entrepreneur and also the founder of Manaby. John loves Jesus. And he loves people and has just such an incredible heart to serve. John, it's an honor to have you here today. Matt, thank you for inviting me on the show. Yes, sir. So um, always fun to tell our listeners how we met. Uh, We were in small group together for a while, still in small group together. But the first one that we were in, you know, we were together for a while and, and ultimately found out that we both had a heart to help the homeless. And so it's been really cool for me to hear about the ways that you've done that in the past and the ways that you are doing that currently. So share a little bit more about kind of what you're doing and and why you got started. I've been uh, developed Manaby in 2017 and became a nonprofit. And we started uh, with just looking at food insecurity and we helped pantries get more food. And and, uh, I'm from the grocery industry, so I knew a lot of people there. And and we would help get more food to all the different pantries around Birmingham. After COVID, God put on my heart um, to get involved with the homeless community. And I started to go down to Lynn Park and just befriend uh, the homeless. And I would take sandwiches and just uh, any kind of food that we could uh, you know, get and, and serve. And we would actually serve them and spend time with them. Uh, I noticed a couple of gaps that... A lot of people were, were, were feeding and bringing clothes and all that, but they weren't really spending time with them and getting to know them. And, and I just started saying, hey, my name is John. What's your name? And, and just befriending them. And they were like, whoa, nobody's asked us my name, you know, and, um, and just really have a list of probably 60 uh, friends. And I call them friends because they know my name and I know their name, right? And uh, just helping one at a time um, and helping them get jobs if they need jobs, if they want to work, helping them get into rehab if they need rehab or, or whatever the need is. I mean, I would take them to, you know, the, the doctor and this, that and the other, just befriending them and showing the love of Jesus to them and witnessing to them just by what we're doing. And, um, and so I. I've been doing that. And also the ones that want to work, um, they have to live in hotels. Hotels are very expensive on a weekly basis. And that is not a sustainable model, even when they do have a job. So affordable housing started to uh, really uh, pique my interest. So um, in March of this year, I went to Springfield, Missouri, uh, found out about a tiny home conference for the homeless. And they have been developing tiny home villages for several years. And this was their first conference. And so I learned a lot about what they found out didn't work. And when I came back from Springfield, started networking with uh, a lot of small groups and uh, people that were interested in developing tiny homes uh, for the homeless. And that's really where we are today. We are looking for land. Um, I've identified some land in and around Shelby County. And um, 
it's in rural areas, uh, but what works is to find um, abandoned or uh, rundown uh, RV parks, and they're already uh, zoned for portable homes. And so that's what they found at work in Springfield. And that's the same model I'm, I'm bringing to Birmingham. All right. So the, the Lord laid the homeless on your heart, just like he did with me. Share with some of our listeners, because I don't think that there's a harder ministry that, that's out there. I mean, it's there's no two situations that are the same. There's no easy way of getting in touch with people more often than not. Uh, typically, there's not you know, a cell phone, there's, there's not a geographic location usually where you can find the person on a regular basis. Uh, you can schedule to meet up and sometimes that happens. Sometimes it don't because they don't have watches or uh, again, cell phones to, to tell them what time or day it is. What have you seen and experienced as you've started to develop these relationships, any correlation or uh, some of the, you know, main reasons that you're seeing some of these folks are out there and they are amazing people. Uh, but, but what are the, some of the things that, that you're seeing? What I'm seeing that is similar is all the needs are um, somewhat similar. Like you said, they're, if they're living under the bridge and they want to work, just let's take that for example, because that's, those are the ones that I can really help. The ones that want, want to work and can work and have already been through rehab of, of some kind or have the ability to go to work. So they do need a cell phone because they can't work and be employable without a cell phone. So we buy them a cell phone and then I can get in touch with them. So that's kind of the first step. And, and then um, I just, you know, through the interview process, I, I find out what their skill set is and, and where, do, where they've worked in the past. I just interview them and what they want to do. A lot of them have worked in the restaurant industry and uh, they either never want to go back to the restaurant industry or they would love to go back to the restaurant industry. And so I know a lot of restaurateurs and, and I've gotten some, you know, homeless off the street in that scenario. And um, if they have other skills, I try to marry up their skill with a need in, in the market space. And I know a lot of business owners and I just say, hey, I have have someone that needs a job. He's currently homeless, living under a bridge. I'm helping him get into a hotel. I bought him a phone and I'll get him to work. And it's a yes or no, you know, bring him to work and let's see how they do. And, and so it's a trial and error. And it's, um, it's the way I believe it needs to happen because I'm befriending them in their um, gaining trust and we're, we're walking together and I go to work with them and, and just get to know them. And that's the model I, I believe is the model that'll work is um, because what I've, what I've realized is um, they've had horrific um, circumstances and a lot of the times their, their families disown them. The church has walked away from them um, and the friends they once had, they, they don't have those anymore. So they need a friend group. And, um, and, and that's one of our differentiators. We, we, we put friends around them, mentor and, and just 
you know, do life. Yeah. Desperately needed. Um, you know, everybody needs a friend there. There's no doubt. Everybody needs a friend. And, you know, when you look somebody in the eye and you acknowledge a, that they're another human being, uh, and number two, that, that there's somebody that God loves and that you love and you share that love with them and you let them know that they matter to you. They matter to God. They matter to other people. You know, you can really start to see something, some, some hope start to rise in their eyes. And that makes a huge difference because most people treat the homeless like they are less than, like they are, they aren't human and that they are uh, just people that should be disregarded or passed over. And so, you know, there's power in the tongue, you know, there's, there's the power of life or the power of death. And, and a lot of these people you know, it could have been that they didn't have a good home life or because of decisions that they've made throughout many years of uh, addiction or, uh, you know, just criminal record or, or whatever it may be. I mean, we've all made bad decisions in our life. Uh, You, me, everybody else, we've all made bad decisions in our life. A lot of times the consequences are different. uh, The circumstances are different. And then the support system around you, when you make those bad decisions, Mm -hmm can ultimately lead you to a path where either a people get tired of helping you or there's nobody there to help you. So I really do think that that support system, uh, that the home that you're brought up in and then the support system that you have in or outside of the home is really a big differentiator. Uh, So from that standpoint, you've realized that that's something of great need. Tell us more about uh, what you're doing about that with developing those friend groups? Yeah. Um, a lot of the churches that I've visited with um, that have prison ministries and, and those type of out, outreach ministries are very willing to be part of the Manatee program that mentors those in need. And, and we are just now getting started with that process of putting together friend groups around our homeless friends. I think that will um, really take off. And, you know, it's a volunteer uh, opportunity, but it's it's a way to get to know and befriend those in need. So you can share your faith and they can share their faith and they become a part of a, a prayer group. I mean, you know, everything, everything that we're supposed to do. Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And to me, that's what it looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what Manabee's all about is creating that friend group. Well, you know, some of the, the friends that we have made down there and we've got some that are mutual, you know, my buddy, Ernest, uh, I've been friends with the longest, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll be six years this month, actually, wow. uh, that we first met. And, you know, we've had conversations about friends and and his lack thereof. Now, you know, he's a big dude that probably has rubbed a lot of people uh, the wrong way, you know, in various situations over the years. But at the same time, he's a person that needs love. Um, You know, our friend Johnny, who's a mutual friend, uh, Johnny's an amazing guy. And, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, substances that, that cause him to get into bad situations, but lovable, you know, kind, uh, you know, good personality, but you know, it, it is, it's amazing when you come alongside these people and you hear 
elements of their story, you know, how long they've been on the streets, how mm-hmm. um, they've ended up in some of these situations. Uh, it is extremely powerful. So, you know, no different than you or I, you know, the accountability and the love that we receive in small group, you know, when people come alongside us and say, hey, I've been in a similar situation, uh, yeah. maybe not identically, but I've been in a similar situation. This is what happened with me. This is what God did. And this is what I believe that he can do for you. When you have those conversations, when you really get real with other people and then encourage them and and speak the truth in love to them, we can really see God come alive in their lives. So I think that it's extremely critical uh, because, you know, you and I have been down to Lynn Park many times and, you know, you can have great conversations and a fight could break out 30 seconds later or while you're standing there. You know, so you've got to keep your head on a swivel there. And and when you're just trying to survive, you're not necessarily making friends. You're you're saying who's going to have my back if something goes down, but you're not necessarily uh, wanting to be buddy, buddy. But what you're trying to create is a community where people have a support system, where they've got a roof over their head, where they can lock a door and, and actually store their stuff, which is a huge deal. And so from that standpoint, what made you think about the tiny homes and share a little bit more about what that will look like as that progresses? Well, it's, I mean, they're only 400 square feet, right? So um, the, what I saw in Springfield, Missouri was a community of, and we went to, they're working on their fourth tiny home village. We went to the, the first three and what I saw was anywhere from 25 to 50 tiny homes. And it was, it was like a Mayberry setting. I mean, it was a, it was a circle street with all these tiny homes around this one street. Everybody could walk around the block and say hi to their neighbors and, you know, visit with them. It was a gated community, um, biometric thumbprint to get in and go out. 65 cameras all over the village. So, um, and the, the tenants knew that if they brought drugs in, they were kicked out. So it was a community and they had a common um, community house in the center of everything where they could come do their laundry. The houses had baths and, and stoves and they could cook and take showers. And then they would come wash their clothes at the community center and they would do fellowship at a fellowship hall and churches would come in and, and do dinners. And, you know, and it created a community, what they were missing. And it was affordable. I think they rented theirs out for $500 a month. And that's basically what it costs to maintain the, the power bill for a tiny home. So it was very affordable. And, you know, some chronic homeless people have been on the street for decades. And it was, you know, they didn't even think about this type of model. And those are the type of people that were in all these tiny homes, chronically um, homeless people. It was amazing. I I think that it's so desperately needed. Um, You know, when we got Ernest off the streets, uh, and it's probably been four years ago now. You know, it was, he'd been on the streets for about 12 years and he had 
had a place at one point and it burned down and all this stuff was in there. So, you know, if you lose your driver's license, you lose your birth certificate, you lose your core elements of identification. Right. Uh, for, for people like us, you know, who have resources, who have a car, who have uh, the ability, you know, connections, things of that right. nature, you know, we can get those things back. And, you know, we, we've got the ability to prove who we are. But if you don't have any of those things and you've got to convince people that you are who you say you are right. and start from ground zero, it is extremely difficult. And, right. you know, when you're sleeping out on the streets, there was a couple of times where I came close to going out there just to camp out for a night. I, I'm just going to be honest. Like I never mustered up the courage to go do that, even when he was out there. Uh, you know, snuggle up with him so that I wouldn't, you know, get shanked in the middle of the night. But uh, I never did it because like that scares me to death. Yeah, they um, they basically sleep two and three hours at a time and and then kind of wake up and check out the situation, you know, and then go back to sleep from what I've been told. Well, you, you think about it at at night. You know, when all of your possessions are on you and anybody that's around you know that your possessions are on you, like we would ask, you know, what what would you like? What would help you stay out here better? You know, because initially we we're trying to equip him where he was before he made the decision he wanted to get off the streets. Right. But he's like, I, I don't want a sleeping bag because if my arms are down, you know, stuck in the sleeping bag, then it's easy for somebody to get the jump on me. And those are things that we would never have to think about sleeping in our comfortable homes with, you know, alarm systems and locked doors and right. weapons, things of that nature. So um, having the ability to have a roof over your head where you can store your belongings, where you can lock it behind you, right. like just the sense of security that that alone can bring. And then you've got security cameras and you've got that accountability that people have. I think it's amazing. Stay tuned. We'll have more living life on purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. So what, at this point, you know, it's it's an amazing vision and people are doing this in other parts of the country. What is the, the biggest thing that you need right now to continue to advance this vision? Well, we need a target and I'm, I'm talking a specific piece of property and I'm talking to a couple of different people that have property and they love the vision that we have and we need donors to fund you know, the cost of, of building a, a tiny home village. And it's, it's not a, um, it's a big cost. I mean, the villages that I saw in Springfield, uh, their first village was 1.3 million land construction, all that. And I think they're, they are a little bit higher 
today with, with, with all the costs and things going on. But um, it, I mean, it's a, it's a multi-million dollar operation. So we need donors that want to help us. And um, I mean, I, I come from the marketing world, so I, I know how to go out and talk to the Home Depots and Lowe's and, and we can get a lot of stuff donated and I know how to do that. But again, um, I think we can get some land donated, but we need to get on a track of raising money from grants, from high equity people, from corporations that want to help us do this here in Birmingham and find a target of where the land is the right spot. Um, I'm meeting with uh, uh, Folds of Honor, which is a veteran association this afternoon. Um, I'm meeting with uh, Vetergen, uh, another vet association. And I really have honed in on the vets and a lot of the homeless population are veterans. And so I've found that if I'm talking to a veteran association and say, hey, we're going to make a tiny home village just for vets. We're going to start there. That gets their attention. And so I think I've hit on something that I'm following through this week. And I have two meetings, one this afternoon and one Thursday with veteran associations say, hey, let's come together, you know. And I've also joined uh, the Alabama Association of Nonprofits, and I'm, I'm collaborating with everybody. So, yeah, the vision of, of Manaby is to create small groups around the homeless and the food insecure and, and really become their friend group. And, and that is our core vision of, of who we are. And we do life with them. We, we go out to dinner with them. We, we have... Uh, invite them to Bible studies. We, we just do life with them, go to work with them. And um, the, the other second pillar is we, we are starting um, tiny homes for those in need. Specifically, we're starting with vets. Um, a lot of the homeless that I've befriended from Lynn Park are veterans. And um, those are the two pillars that we're building our vision on are tiny homes for those in need and befriending them and creating friend groups. So that, that's, our, that's our vision for Manning. So as you're sharing this vision with these associations and these corporations, things of that nature, you're seeing a lot of interest in people wanting to support this. Uh, that is a really good thing. One question that you know I was thinking about God's placed the homeless on my heart. God's placed the homeless on your heart. What have you seen God do in your own life that that made you realize how much uh, not only he loves us, but he loves these people as well? After COVID, he just put them on my heart. I mean, I was just praying into, Lord, what do you want me to do with you know feeding the homeless? Uh, what's the next level? And he just said, you know, tiny homes and small groups. I mean, he told me that crystal clear in 21 days of prayer starting in January. And, you know, right right there, I just got to go do it. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be obedient to what I'm hearing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you've also experienced the fullness of his love as well. Oh, and absolutely. That, absolutely. that is an amazing thing that, you know, as you and I've talked over the last couple of years, 
the things that he's done in our lives when when we were far from him and while we were still sinners you know he still showed us how much he loved us he never stopped chasing after us and i think that that is ultimately you know the redemption that he's brought to you and that he can bring to other people as well absolutely absolutely and and that is the whole process of of how we approach people we befriend them and you know where wherever they are in their faith journey, um, we accept them right there. And there's a whole lot of non-believers that I'm friends with, and and just walking with them and and doing life with them um, is is what God has called us all to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, every day, yes. not just a, a Sunday thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, and the thing is, too, you know, Jesus, uh, he did that exact same thing. He met with people where they were. He not only said, hey, I love you, uh, I'm for you, uh, and this is you know, who my father is. I want you to come and, and be in relationship with him. But at the same time, he said, I love you so much that I want to call you into this new life. You know, so I, I know where you are and I'm going to get into this mess with you. But I want to call you out of that mess because I know that God's got something greater. God's got something bigger and his ways are better than ours. And so that's what you're trying to do is, you know, establish relationships, let people know, hey, we're we're not going to shame you. We're not going to condemn you. Uh, We're going to love you. But we're also going to if you want to, we're going to try and show you that there is a better way through these small groups, through these tiny homes. And so what is uh, obviously people becoming more aware that these needs are out there, uh, meeting with these associations, obviously donations are helpful. Uh, How can people learn more about Manabee and and how can they come alongside you? If there's something that's inspired them or uh, the Lord's prompted them, like I need to get involved with this. What are ways that they can get connected with you or the organization? Well, they can go to our website at manaby.net and they can enroll as a volunteer. Uh, they can donate. They can call me. My phone number is on the website and I can have coffee with them or just, uh, you know, get a one-on-one with them. And um, and we're doing that now. I mean, I get emails from strangers and people say, hey, I heard about you and can we have coffee? So all the above is 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 what I say. Well, I think that it is, uh, you know, I just met with another friend and and he is trying to walk out something that the Lord spoke to him. And and I'm walking out things that the Lord has spoken to me on a daily basis. And, you know, this podcast is something that the Lord spoke to me, you know, walking out the things that the Lord speaks to you, you know, you've got to walk out the things that the Lord speaks to you. It's your word. You know, you've got to walk that out. Uh, But it isn't always easy, but obedience is greater than sacrifice. So, you know, what would you say to, you know, anybody that's out there that the Lord has put something on their heart, the Lord has has spoken clearly and, you know, they're, they're delaying or they're, they're sidestepping, they're, they're pushing him off. What would you say to that person? If anybody in your audience has heard a word from the Lord, they need to go do it. And the, the way they need to go do it is the way, the way what God put me through. He had had me turn off the, the radios and, 
and, and unplug from all the social media and just get quiet with him, you know, as I'm riding around in my car, me and the Lord talk, you know, it's an all day thing. I don't have my radio on or anything. And um, getting in that quiet space where you can hear the Lord is so, so important. Um, because if he told you to do something, you need to be talking to him about it every day. You know, after one meeting or another or whatever, okay, Lord, what's the next step? And if, and if you have so many bells and whistles going on in your life, you're not going to hear it because he, he wants you to be still and listen more than um, anything else. And, and I would encourage all your listeners to be still and listen. If God puts something in your heart, he will tell you how to do it, but you got to be still and listen. That's great advice. And, you know, I think that um, we too often, you know, can God speak in the booming voice? Yes. Uh, can God show up in the burning bush? Yes. Can God part the Red Sea? Yes. Uh, can he do anything he wants to do? Yes. But more often than not, it's a still soft voice. Right. It's a it's a gentle nudge. It's a prompting. It's a feeling that you just know the closer you are to God, the more you know when it's God versus when it's you or the voice of the liar. So being in close proximity to him in relationship, the more we silence the world and and want to hear from our father, uh, he's always speaking, but the more we're, we're willing to listen, uh, the better all things are going to be. So that's great advice, John. Yeah. So, um, you know, our next steps, we need a target. And I've been telling everybody this and we're looking at a, a couple of different properties. Um, I'm meeting with someone else, uh, maybe the end of this week about another property. But we're trying to get, you know, zoned in on a property that's going to work for a very small village. It'd be enough property to build 25 to 50 homes. But I want to have a goal set to uh, have at least six tiny homes next year on this property that we can expand so that we have a target to hit. We can start doing fundraising with uh, different organizations that want to help us and different people. Um, so my goal right now is to, to find that piece of property, find a target and do some fundraising events to uh, you know, pay cash for the property or get it donated, you know, whatever God puts on people's hearts. So if you're one of those people that's out there listening and, you know, as you're you're hearing John share the vision and what he's trying to accomplish and the Lord's like, you know what, I've got some property that I'm not using. You know what, I, I could get involved with this. You know, uh, I've had a family member that is homeless. I, I've had a friend that's homeless or there's a guy that's down the street that I see all the time on my lunch break uh, that's homeless. Homeless are people just like us mm -hmm. and, and God loves us. And God loves them. And the difference in his love is non-existent. It, there is no difference in the love that he has for those people as the love that he has for us. And again, anybody, I, I used to judge the homeless. I used to not understand before God changed my heart. You know, I used to really look down on those people. So I'm one of the people that I'm speaking to. Uh, but I'm just telling you, you know, God loves everyone that you will ever see. There's not a single person that you'll look into the eyes of that God does not love. And the only difference between those homeless people and you is God's grace. That, because there's not a single person that's out there listening that hasn't done something really stupid. 
I know that I've done a lot of stupid things. The only difference in the the stupid things that I did and stupid things that anybody else does is is consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes our consequences are different. You know, so I just I want to really leave you guys with that. If God's prompting you, this sounds like something that that I need to be a part of. Do it. And you know, if if the next time you see a homeless person and God prompts you to buy them a sandwich or have a conversation with them or just share that God loves them, do it. You know, mm-hmm. because I'm telling you, one of the greatest friendships that I have is with a guy who spent 35 years in prison for murder. You know, he hated white people. He had been on the streets for 12 years, you know, and he wanted nothing to do with me, but God placed this guy on my heart. And now he's one of my best friends. And he comes to church with me on a regular basis. We got him off the streets. Praise God. Uh, it was a process. It's still a continual process. He doesn't answer his phone 99% of the time. He leaves it off 99% of the time. But, you know, it's also shown me grace. It's shown me love. It's shown me that, you know, God pursues us just like I have to pursue this relationship. And so if you'll let him, God will continue to show you more about his heart through other people, especially the difficult situations that you don't want to step into sometimes. That's where he's trying to use you the most. So any parting words for anybody, John? Follow your dreams. Follow what what God calls you to do and be obedient and go do it. That's a very good word. Well, I appreciate everybody for listening. John, it was great to have you here today. And if you enjoyed this episode, if it's encouraged you, please share it with other people. Engage with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, and then on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. Uh, We always appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you in again in two weeks. Bye.